Positive heads out there, thanks for tuning your beautiful brainwaves into another episode of the Positive Head Podcast, where we are firmly convinced that creating success and happiness is rooted in understanding the ultimate nature of reality and the fact that as human beings, we are all immensely powerful fractals of the one and only source consciousness, which creates and animates all things. Now, of course, understanding this powerful truth is one thing. Applying this incredibly empowering wisdom to everyday life? Well, that's another. Which is exactly why we provide you with a fresh serving of soul food for thought five days a week. To help constantly remind you of what matters most. You are it. And I'm your host, Brandon Beecham. I'm the one who will be here with you each and every Wednesday interviewing a different consciousness change maker that is also out there working tirelessly to help catalyze change and expand awareness all across Spaceship Earth. On the other four weekdays, you can hear me discussing topics such as my favorite thought-provoking quotes, reading and discussing wisdom from empowering books, playing clips from various inspirational spiritual teachers, sharing a bit of mysterious news, taking questions from the audience, and essentially digging into any other mind-expansive topics that will help keep your soul fed by tuning you into positive vibrations on a consistent basis. All right, all you positive heads, on this week's interview episode, I'm very excited to have Garnet Schulhauser here with me on the show. Garnet is an author who has written several books about his ongoing encounters with his spirit guide, Albert. Uh, Hey there, Garnet. Welcome to the show, my friend. Well, thank you, Brandon. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to be um, on your show. I'm absolutely excited to have you as well. I am, uh, as all the listeners know, I am a sucker for a good paranormal story, and uh, you are just ripe with them. <laughs> so I'm anxious to dig in and hear all about uh, your your unique tale. Um, before we do so, I'd like to start off with the same question that I always start off with. Uh, you're in an elevator. You've got 10 floors to answer. The guy next to you looks over, says, what's your passion? What do you say? My passion is to spread uh, uh, the message from my spirit guide, Albert, to all people in the world. And his message is one of love and compassion for all humans, all the animals who share our planet, and for Mother Earth herself. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I uh, that certainly aligns with... Uh what most people I have on the show want to do in one way, shape, or form. So uh, why don't you, before you get into your story with Albert, why don't you share a little bit about your personal story uh, that led to your meeting with Albert? Sure. Well, I was a a lawyer, practiced law for 34 years in Calgary. Um, I was born and raised in uh, Saskatchewan, uh, raised as a Roman Catholic, and uh, um, as, as the years wore on, I, I began to sort of doubt a lot of the dogma of the Catholic Church, began to question it. A lot of it didn't make any sense to me. So then I was sort of in no man's land, sort of casting about for a new paradigm to latch onto. And I constantly asked myself the eternal questions of life, like, who am I? Why am I here? What happens to me when I die? And then one day I ran into my spirit guide and all my questions were answered. And how it happened was I was still practicing laws back in 2007, and I was strolling down the street one day on a sunny afternoon in May, 
And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a homeless man just jumps out in front of me, just stops me right in my tracks. Right. He okay. Like he looked like a typical homeless man. I mean, he was, you know, long, stringy haired, scraggly beard and dirty, slept in clothes. But there was right. something very different about this guy, Brandon, which is hmm. the reason I didn't sort of do a sidestep around him because he had these amazing, dazzling blue eyes. They were penetrating deep within me. I felt like he was looking right into the depths of my soul and that he knew everything about me. And at the same time, his eyes were sending me this, this wave, this gush of pure, unconditional love that was filling my whole body with an amazing sense of peace and security and well-being. So I stood there like a deer caught in the headlights. I didn't want to move. I was, uh, I was soaking this all up. It was, it was an amazing feeling like I'd never experienced before. And I right. don't know how long I was there. It was, it was like I was in a time warp. Like I, I didn't know whether it was, I stood there for 10 seconds or 10 hours. But then right. he broke the spell by saying to me, why are you here? And then he quickly disappeared into a nearby store. Well, when I finally collected my wits, I decided I better go and find this guy and find out who he was. So I went into the store he had disappeared into, but he was nowhere to be seen. I walked back out on the street, walked up and down that street for several blocks, couldn't see him. He had basically disappeared into thin air. So the wow. next day, I, I resolved that I had to go back to that same street at the same time of day and see if I can find him. And I right. did, walked, walked up and down the street for several blocks. And after 15 minutes, when I was just about ready to give up, I spotted him sitting all alone on the bench. Uh -huh. So I walked up to him and I said, you know, who are you and why did you stop me the other day? And he said, I'm a soul just like you. I'm here to answer your questions and help you on your journey. And that was the beginning of a dialogue I had with this man that went off and on for the next several months. And he told me that he was my, one of my spirit guides in disguise. His name was Albert. He mm -hmm. had manifested himself in physical form as a homeless man to get my attention, to draw me into the conversation. Um, and after the first three meetings that we had when he was a homeless man, after that, we communicated by telepathy. He didn't actually materialize anymore. And he told me I was the only one who could see and feel him in physical form, and anybody else who was passing by in the street that day, they would have seen me sitting on alone, all alone on the bench talking to myself because they couldn't see wow. him. So it was wow. very interesting. So he answered all the big questions I had and many more. And then early on, he really surprised me. He took me aback because he said, look, I'm not just here to satisfy your curiosity. I want you to write a book about my revelations so they'll be available to all humans. And right. I was a bit concerned about this because I'd never even dreamed of writing a book before. But right. he was very. I mean, it's not it's not the typical uh, sort of trajectory of a thirty four year uh, corporate lawyer, right? <laughs> no, exactly. No, I, and I was just too busy. It never even occurred to me to write a book. Anyway, um, a year after I met first met him, I retired from the law because it just seemed irrelevant to me at that stage. And I knew that basically in my heart that that Albert met me to set me off on a new path. And I had to follow right. the new path. And that path didn't involve practicing law. So I, I retired. Um, and uh, so I, I, I continued with these conversations, this dialogue, question and answer, took good notes about what he told me. I was concerned about writing the book because I, you know, I was a straight laced stuffed shirt corporate lawyer. That's right. how people knew me. And, and I was concerned about what they might think if I wrote a book about my conversation with my spirit guide. You know, it was quite out of character for me. So I struggled with it for a while. Finally, I decided, okay, I'm going to have to write this book and uh, get it published and let the chips fall where they may. And so right. I published my first book, Dancing on a Stamp. Gotcha, gotcha. And so Dancing on a Stamp uh, is 
essentially the whole story of your encounter with with Albert. So you're saying that you first actually saw him what you thought was physically uh, a few times, and then you started. It sort of opened up because you hear a lot of stories about people communicating with their spirit guides, right? And uh, not very often have I heard a story, although I have heard, you know, stories of people uh, encountering what they believe to be angelic entities or some sort of manifest spirit, right? But majority of the time you hear about spirit guides and people are like, you know, in meditation and communicating with them and things like that. So it's a bit unusual for him to, uh, you know, appear physically as you would say and then uh, but after he sort of broke the ice it, it was no longer necessary is that is that sort that's of why, exactly why, right that's exactly you. right when i asked him why he showed up initially as a homeless man he said it was his way of easing me into the conversation because had he just started communicating with me as a voice in my head i probably would have thought i was losing my mind so he decided right. to show up physically. We had a talk, and then once I was comfortable with him and his voice, then then we then we communicated by telepathy. He no longer needed to show up physically. So that was his way of easing me into the conversation. Interesting. Had you had, you know, uh, there's a lot of people, um, you know, who have uh, once again, you know, have these sorts of experiences with their spirit guides in, in it's sort of a lifelong thing. You know, as a child, I started talking to my spirit guide and, and so forth. I mean, was this your first sort of uh, metaphysical or psychic phenomenon that had had happened to you up to this point? Or had you yeah. been having, uh, you know, other types of experiences like out of body experiences and so forth? This was the very first experience. And Albert says he was my guide from day one when I was born, but but I wasn't aware of the fact that he was my guide and he never tried to communicate with me until that day on the street. So this is my first experience. Wow. wow. What a trip. So I'd love to hear uh, some of the uh, sort of wisdom that, you know, not having read your book, and I often say on the show, uh, Garnet, you know, I, there's so many fascinating authors and stories and insights coming, you know, bubbling up in the, in the world at this point, right? There's so many people doing so many fascinating things and have so many fascinating stories. And I find myself, uh, you know, really busier than ever with with my own life and uh, what I love about the show is the ability to kind of get access to people who have amazing stories like yours and sort of hear them firsthand so I haven't had the chance to read your book Uh, I would certainly like to but maybe you can you know for those of us listening kind of give us what you know uh, sort of sum up what you were taught in 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 you relate in Dancing on a Stamp yeah the major revelations uh, first of all he said we're all eternal souls We came from the spirit side or be the other side or beyond the veil or some people call it heaven. That's where we came from. That's our true home. And the reason we're here is because we chose, freely chose to incarnate as humans on this planet. And we, and we did that to learn and experience things, to, to experience what Earth has to offer, to, to grow and advance as soul. So we actually chose to come here. And before we were born, we all prepared a sort of a life plan, which set out the major aspects of our new incarnation. Things like the place we'd be born, the identity of our parents and siblings, uh, you know, the first language we'd learn, first school we'd go to. We set that all up and a number of other things that, to sort of help us along with our, uh, our goal of learning and experiencing things that we needed for our advancement. And so in answer to the question that I often ask myself, you know, when I'm looking in the mirror on Monday morning shaving and I say, you know, who am I? Why am I here? It's basically I'm an eternal soul. I incarnated here by my own choice to learn and experience things. 
So then the other part of that is that as a child growing up as a Roman Catholic, I was taught that God sort of put us here by his volition, that God made a bunch of rules for us to follow. And if we didn't follow those rules when we died, we'd appear before God. We'd be judged by God. And if we were bad people, we'd be sent to an awful place called hell. Albert says right. that's all nonsense. It's all fiction created by, uh, you know, the religious uh, holy men over the centuries to, you know, rule people by control people through control, fear and, yeah. and, and judgment uh, and, uh, and guilt. And, and he says, no, uh, God or the source does not make rules for us to follow. God didn't tell us to come here, didn't put us here, you know, based upon what he wanted us to do. We came here on our own volition. And when you die... There's no judgment and there's no punishment. Everyone goes back to the spirit side from where we came from, which means, and this is uh, very concerning to some people, even murderers and terrorists go back to the same place as the good people when they die. And that's just because there's nowhere else to go. Hell does not exist. It's a fiction created by religious holy men to to control people through fear. And so right. that, that, that's a major deviation. Basically, what he said flew in the face of most of what I was taught as a child by the Christian church. So that right. was like an eye opener. Um, and, uh, it, it, you know, and, and he said, you know, uh, when you're having a bad day, you know, or your things are going badly for you, you know, you shouldn't shake your fist at God and say, why are you doing this to me or at the universe and saying, you know, why are you visiting me with all this tragedy? He says, you came here on your own volition, you created your life, and you have free will to make decisions and take actions here. And so your reality really is created by, first of all, your pre-birth planning. The second thing is what you do with once you're here. Because once you're right. born, you don't remember where you came from, and you don't remember that you had a life plan. And so that's the real challenge of being a human on Earth, a challenge we all knew about before we decided to incarnate here, uh, but we right. chose to do so anyway. So here we are. Like. Right. You know, why am I here? I put myself here. That's the short answer. Right, right. And so curious, you know, and obvious, what I love about these sorts of uh, stories and these sorts of experiences that people have. And of course, I've had the pleasure of interviewing people from everyone, you know, people from Evan Alexander, who has a very famous near death experience story to people who talk about their experiences in meditation and, you know, um, and so many, you know, using plant medicines to sort of have uh, these sorts of experiences. And, and they all almost, come, you know, without fail, come back to the same sort of, uh, you know, thought the same sort of concept and that is just what you said we're all these spiritual being eternal beings who chose to incarnate in this dimension we have a case of amnesia we're waking the the goal is to wake up in the dream so to speak of of human form and then start creating more consciously uh than we are doing so or have been doing so collectively and and traditionally as a, a a species and so it's it's for me it's it's a great sort of element of proof to this stuff that you know to a lot of very scientific minded quote unquote grounded people who you know this is all woo woo nonsense it's like you have all these stories from all these different types of experiences and they almost always come back to the same uh, conclusion and that is it's all one we've done it to ourselves and it's time to wake up and and to me that's uh that's fascinating to observe as i as i explore you know consciousness beyond human waking consciousness from so many different perspectives 
Yeah, no, well said. And, and you know, the, the fact that all these different messages from very many different people, authors and all, people all over the world, is the core message is basically the same. And that to me is validation, right. Brandon. It's validation yeah. that we're all, you know, we're all on the right page. Right, right. Now, I know in your, you've written several books about your adventures with uh, Albert and your second book, uh, Dancing Forever with Spirit, it actually goes into a series of astral adventures you took with Albert. Is that correct? That's right. I was about to say my, my experience, uh, you know, having never had an out of body or experience or astral experience that I recall consciously anyway. Um, you know, I have a, a pretty interesting story. When I started down this path originally, um, you know, 20 years ago, sort of r- similar to yourself, waking up from, uh, you know, being taught this very conservative kind of dogmatic, uh, Helen Brimstone version of Christianity. Uh, and as I started exploring other things, one of the first books I ever read and i still have it it's called the psychic explorer and it's all about astral travel and this guy's adventures in the astral realm and you know out-of-body experiences and i was fascinating by the concept and as i started doing the research even more fascinated to find other people lots of other people claiming similar type experiences and i started talking to my brother about it who is very much still sort of uh uh, I guess you might even say brainwashed into what we were raised to believe is the way, you know, God is this jealous God who's going to torture you if you get it wrong, et cetera, et cetera. And he was like, oh, no, you're crazy. What are you talking about? And, you know, but I had told him some of the techniques the guy was talking about in Psychic Explorer, how you could have these out-of-body experiences and astral projections. And one of the ways was through lucid dreaming, becoming awake in your dream and sort of saying, I want to leave my body now. And he said, well, you sound crazy, but that lucid dreaming thing, I know what you're talking about. I used to have those as a kid. And by talking about them, it triggered him to start having uh, lucid dreams again. And this time he thought, oh, well, let me try what Brandon was talking about. I want to leave my body. And next thing you know, he had some wild adventures, you know, in the astral, on the astral plane, as they call it. And he went from making fun of me one day to looking like he'd seen a ghost the next because he actually, you know, uh, had these same type of experiences. So, I just, uh, I, you know, I, I think that's a, an important piece to mention to people who aren't too familiar with astral projection, out of body experiences. I know from firsthand experience, you know, one of the closest person to me in my life, my brother, you know, uh, having no belief in this sort of stuff, but then going and, and sort of discussing it triggered him having his own sort of experiences. So, um, yeah, I just I just thought I would throw my own little astral journey story and how it actually was the very beginning of my spiritual uh, awakening story, really. That's quite a story, Brandon. I'm glad you uh, you, you told that because it, it just uh, goes to show you that uh, you know uh, people's experience with astral traveling can come in so many different ways, and a lot of times it comes from people or happens to people who don't believe in it beforehand. And I certainly right. didn't. I didn't really believe in astral travel until it happened to me. So it, it's uh, you know it, it happens to a lot of people, and there's a lot of people who have it who don't even mention it. They're afraid to. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, so that it happens more often than you think. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I actually had someone on uh, a while back uh, who wrote a book all about astral, uh, his astral adventures. And, um, 
and sort of uh, just a very uh, interesting interview. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on his name. I'll look it up here in a moment. But uh, from listening to that episode, a good friend of mine, it triggered her to have her first astral, uh, you know, astral experience, out-of-body experience. And so, you know, it was once again, she, this friend was like, oh my gosh, I just listened to your interview. And then the next day I had this experience where I was taking a nap and oh my God, I left my body. And so, you know, for those who aren't too familiar, and of course, a lot of my listeners are, uh, I think it's important to sort of reference these type of stories where someone is not really seeking it out and it happens. So in your case, I'm assuming this thing, it sounds to me like things sort of progressed with Albert from your first meeting, which was apparently physical to you, then to sort of communicating with him, you know, uh, you know, hearing him in your head, so to speak, writing your first book. And then it, it was it just a progression where he then took you on these astral adventures. Exactly. And what happened was that um, after I'd finished my first book, he uh, I didn't hear from him for a while. And then all of a sudden, one night, I woke up in bed and I saw this ghost-like figure standing in the doorway of my bedroom. And as it moved closer towards my bed, I could see it was my old friend, Albert, but he was in astral form. And I said, uh-huh. Albert, you know, hi, what brings you here? He says, I'm going to take you on some astral adventures, uh, astral trips, because I want you to uh, write about what you hear and see in your next book. And it's like, okay, that means I have to write another book. And so then he literally, he he reached out and grabbed my astral hand, pulled it, my astral body out of my physical body. I turned around and looked and my physical body was still sound asleep in bed. And there I am in astral form. First time I remember that. And he said, come on with me. And he just led me up, up through the ceiling. We floated up through the clouds to a high point above our beautiful planet that he lightly sort of turned around and take a look at our planet Earth, which is very beautiful from that perspective. And then we went into it through a shimmering doorway to the spirit side. And there we had, uh, I encountered a number of different people, had a meeting with the Council of Wise Ones. And then that was the beginning of my astral trips. And, uh, and, and then, uh, you know, after each trip, he would bring me back down to Earth, uh, to my bedroom. My astral body would slide into my physical body. Then the next thing you know, I'd wake up the next morning and I would, I'd be in my physical body, but I clearly remember in vivid detail everything I'd seen and heard on my previous astral trip. And then I would just sort of go to my computer to quickly write down what I, what I, what I saw. And so these, so these were a number of different trips on different nights. He never told me when he was coming, uh, and it wasn't sort of consecutive nights. Sometimes it would be, uh, you know, three or four nights in between. I never knew when he was coming, and I never knew where he was taking me. But he clearly had a set agenda that he wanted uh, places he wanted me to see and people he wanted me to talk to. So it was all sort of his agenda. He was my tour guide. Wow. What uh, what a trip. So you talked about sitting with the Council of Wise One, Wise Ones. A couple questions. One, how, how many adventures did you take that led to the completion of the book? And uh, that, that stuck out to me as something I'd love to hear what the message you got from the Council of Wise Ones. It sounds like it'd be a wise message. So... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, 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 a few dozen trips I took with him. I'd have to go back and count them myself. Right. Um, and, and so, and so that was the first set of astral trips. Then he took me on another set uh, of astral trips, totally different, which resulted in my third book, Dance of Heavenly Bliss. And then wow. after that, he came back again for another set of astral trips, which is in my fourth book, which is not yet released, uh, that is called Dance of Eternal Rapture. So there's been three different sets of astral trips. On the first one wow. is where I met the Council of Wise Ones, and uh, that's a that's a body of very wise and advanced souls 
whose job it is to oversee all the incarnations on earth. So they will review everyone's uh, um, life plan and they'll give recommendations to say, you know, that's too tough, that's too easy, you know, why don't you try this? Uh, but the final decision is it belongs to each soul, but they're there to sort of oversee all of this. And they had a message for me. They said, look it, we want you to take this back to your fellow humans. We think your civilization is at a very crucial point in its development. You have very advanced technology, but your spiritual and emotional intelligence has not kept pace. And that means right. that there's a lot of people on your planet who let their negative emotions like fear, anger, hate, and greed get out of control and rule their lives. That results in a lot of conflict, a lot of violence, a lot of crime, wars, genocide, terrorist acts, and so on uh, that, right. that, that's happening on our planet. And, and, and they said, we're really afraid that you guys have to change your course and become better at embracing love and compassion before you destroy yourselves because you have weapons of mass destruction, which literally could wipe out all life on your planet. And we don't want you to, to we don't want to see that happen to you guys. It's happened to human civilizations on your planet before that have risen up to mm -hmm. great heights. And then they crashed and burned like Atlantis, Lemuria, and a few others you haven't even heard of. And she said, right. Uh, the, the chair of the committee, Sophia said, we don't want that happen again to humanity. So we want you guys, uh, our messengers, and you're one of them to go back and, and try to, Tell your fellow humans we have to discard our negative emotions and embrace love and compassion before it's too late. So that was their main message, a very, uh, very crucial message for humanity. Wow. What a what a powerful experience. Uh, and for you, I mean, your first time especially, was it, you know, it's funny you talked about, you know, being kind of pulled out of your body and looking and seeing your physical body there. That was the same kind of experience my brother had his first time. He's like, I thought to leave my body. Next thing I know, I'm standing there. I can move my hand in front of my face and it's sort of like energy trails. I see my physical body laying there and then I fly through a sort of a opening that happens in the in the ceiling and, you know, uh, all kinds of weirdness ensues. So um were you just in sort of in shock in this state when you were there? Was it, uh, or was it, you know, did you feel very calm and at peace or what, what were you feeling like, uh, as you well, experienced as this? As soon as I left my physical body, I was a bit concerned, like, okay, what's happening to me? I don't, yeah. I've never done this am before. I dead? <laughs> yeah. Am I going to get back? You know, what's happening? But then Albert soon calmed my, my, my nervousness and, uh, with him sort of guiding me, taking me by the hand, um, I became very comfortable with it very fast. And then when I went to the spirit side, and, and spirit side, just a lovely place. It's just like be incredibly beautiful place uh, full of souls. That have, there's nothing but love, unconditional love, no negative emotions, no anything. They're beings of energy over there, as we all are. Um, and uh, so I felt very comfortable once I got there. And, and the, 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 the Council of Wise Ones, was uh, their, their message was very, uh, it was very uh, an amazing message to me. I was, I was honored that they chose me to be one of their messengers to take, take their message back to Earth. Um, and yeah. I felt very comfortable. So, I, uh, no, I had no concern after that. Once I got over my initial fright, I was okay. Yeah. Very, very interesting. And then when you came back to your body, it was like, you know, because, of course, that's a, that's one of the things you you hear oftentimes is, you know, you come back or we, you know, you hear it said, and I'd be curious what your thoughts are. You hear it said that we all 
have these out of body uh, ex- experiences, these astral travels every night. We all actually have, you know, sort of these other lives even on the astral plane or astral dimension where we're, we're working and doing things when we sleep. And we just have amnesia to that once we come back. And so, of course, it's unique for you to, to be have full recollection to write your book. But um, I, I'm curious what your thoughts are if, if you would agree that that is indeed what's happening, you know, I, I, that, that particular idea or concept that we all go there all the time and just not all of us are remembering. You're absolutely right. And that's what Albert told me. He said, we all leave our bodies every night and go into the astral plane over to the spirit side. Uh, you know, we huddle with our guides to try to figure out, you know, how we're doing on our life plan. And we come back every morning, but, but we suffer amnesia. We're not allowed to remember that. And that's just to make it uh, more challenging for our experience on earth. Because right. if we remembered where we came from and, 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 and what was in our life plan, it would be too easy for us on earth. It wouldn't be much of a challenge. Yeah. It'd be like, like a teacher giving this, her students the questions and answers to exam before the exam. <laughs> right. Like, 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 right. Like, what's the point? What's the point? We yeah. came here for a challenge. And so that's why we right. don't remember these things. But you're dead right. Every one of us astral travels. Only a few of us are allowed to actually remember them. And Albert said, in my case, I'm allowed to remember the details of my travels because he wants me to write a book about them or three books right. now, four books, actually. Right. So, so that's right. why I'm allowed to remember them. But I, I don't remember my astral travels when he's not there with me. I'm like everyone uh-huh. else. I wake up in the morning and I don't remember anything. Gotcha. Gotcha. And how often are these sorts of, you know, obviously you're on your third book, uh, fourth total, third, uh, all about your astral travels. And we're going to dig into more of those sort of uh, insights and lessons that you've been being taught. Um, but how often, uh, you know, at what period of time did the astral travels start and how often, uh, what's the frequency? Well, they started in about, um, let me just try to recall now, um, uh, probably in about uh, 2014, and they've been sort of off and on, you know, since then, uh, over the uh-huh. last uh, two, three years. Um, and it, frequency, it, it varies. I mean, uh, he, he might come, uh, uh, you know, a couple times in a week, or he might not only show up, you know, once in a month, it's sort of up to him. And I, I never know when he's coming, and uh, so it varies a lot. And, and he likes to give me time in between to sort of absorb what I've seen and heard and give me time to sort of make notes about about my trips so that I can eventually put them into a manuscript and get a book published. So it varies quite a bit. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. You know what? And I just looked up, uh, I was going blank earlier on, uh, it was Jason Quitt who wrote a book um, called Forbidden Knowledge. And it was uh, very similar in the fact that he was, he sort of taken out of uh, body and taken to even ancient uh, times, ancient Egypt and, and Atlantis and things like this, where he's uh, being taught, sort of going to the astral school, if you will. So uh, I'm curious if that sort of lines up with some of, you know, as we dig into some of your experiences there, if that lines up with some of what, what, what it's like for you. Is there is there a schooling element uh, for you in, in your astral travels? Well, I think all my uh, there's a certain learning uh, experience that happens with with every one of my astral travels. Uh, not not necessarily to teach me how to become a better astral traveler, but basically right. to teach me things about life on Earth um, and and a nugget of wisdom for us for me to pass on to other people. But in terms of, of, of traveling back to ancient Egypt, I, I had something similar to that. Maybe that that's what your this other person had. Albert took me to the Akashic records quite often to, to view mm. things. 
in you know past events, past lives that I've lived, or past lives that other people have lived. The Akashic Records, as you know, is, contains the record of every life ever lived anywhere in the universe. And so, it's so like Google, you, Google for uh, the universe, right? <laughs> ex- exactly, and it's there. And I so so I've I've seen a lot of things from the past, very interesting in the Akashic Records, and I'm, I, I think that's probably what this other fellow saw. Um, mm-hmm. it is, it's really quite fascinating, and, and you know, it's the kind of thing you could spend you know eons there looking at your own past lives or other people's past lives or famous historical events but albert didn't let me stay there as long as i wanted he said come on we have a other things to do and so i had just very brief glimpses of things in the past in the akashic records wow and when you looked at these things in the akashic records was it like watching them on a on a movie screen kind of experience like what was the you know can you give us an example of something that you sort of peeked in on and what what the quality of that uh experience was like well, it's like it's, it's sort of like watching. It, it's sort of a, it, it appears in a big holographic globe that was sort of floating in the viewing room, and and uh-huh. when the, the scene the scene came up, it was like watching a three D movie. And Albert wow. knew how to control it. He could you could sort of zoom in real close. You could zoom out. You can pan left, pan right. You can wow. speed up the the scene. You can slow it down. You can jump from point to point. Albert was very good at this. And so one of the things uh, um, you know I saw was. Uh, a human civilization that actually lived among the dinosaurs, you know, and our archaeologists and anthropologists don't think that humans lived back then. There was a human civilization back then. I actually saw it in this holographic wow. globe. And, and it was, uh, it was, they were later very close to the land. They didn't have a lot of technology. Um, and they actually hunted dinosaurs uh, for food. Um, and wow. they had a very egalitarian society. Um, and, uh, you know, I could see the dinosaur. They, they actually hunted a dinosaur once and then hauled it back to their walled city and just made it in time before a T-Rex came, you know, charging after them who wanted to sort of wow. get what they had killed. Um, wow. And you know, the unfortunate thing is, is that... Um, through no fault of their own, they perished when the asteroid hit the Yucatan Peninsula 65 million years ago and uh, kicked up uh, you know, massive volcanic eruptions all over the world and, and dust and everything else. And, and basically, they, they ended up with a, a nuclear winter for two or three years, which killed off most of the dinosaurs. And this poor human civilization was buried under 200 meters of lava from a nearby volcano. That's why nobody wow. found it yet, but it was in Central America. So that was one of the wow. amazing sort of scenes I saw in the Akashic Records. And and, and Albert's point was humans have been on this planet for a lot longer than you guys think. Here, I'll show you an example. Wow, what a trip. That is uh, that is the real land of the lost, right? <laughs> if you remember exactly. that whole show. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. So, so um, okay, so I've got some notes here on some of the things and experiences that you had that, uh, you know, they're all so fascinating. I'll just pick some. Uh, you, One of your visits was to uh, a new earth. Can you speak on that? Yes, the new Earth is uh, uh, is our planet in a higher vibrational dimension. It exists contemporaneously with our Earth. It just it's in a higher vibration. And I, I, Albert took me there, and he said, "Look at this is where all humans on your planet should aspire to go to." And, and, and how you get there is to raise your vibrations, expand your consciousness, raise your vibrations. And he says there have been humans from our Earth who have made the ascension up to the new Earth. And I met with the descendants of a civilization. He said there, ha- there has been uh, 
from our, yes. our, our earth. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. There's been a lot of people that have made the ascension, sometimes in groups, sometimes individually. I met with the descendants of, uh, of, uh, of uh, people that uh, their ancestors had lived in, uh, in Central America a long time ago on earth, and they made a mass ascension to escape the, uh, an encroaching army, a barbarian army that was going to, you know, basically massacre them. So they managed to do a mass ascension because they were very spiritual. They went into deep meditation and they all sort of rose up. They went to the new earth. And these people that I met with were their descendants. And the new earth, wonderful place. There's no negative emotions. There's no crime. There's no violence. No one has to work. There's no money. They live a very uh, uh, pastoral life, sort of close to nature. They've learned how to slow down the aging process and uh, and ward off most of the diseases. So they live for, you know, a few hundred years um, and they're very happy, very, very happy. It's it, it just sort of a idyllic kind of a civilization. And and that's wow. because they've managed to send up, uh, raise their vibrations and ascend up to this new earth. So it's, a, it's some place that we should all aspire to go to, Brandon. Interesting, interesting. So, uh, so is are you saying that this new Earth is something that uh, through raising one's vibration now, like you and I are in this current Earth, whatever that means, right? I think we're yeah. in the same place. Uh, so, if you and I are are making a, a very conscious effort to uh, to ascend and raise our vibration, we'll actually sort of find ourselves in a new earth or, or in this new earth or is there sort of all kinds of earths in between and it, it sort of becomes this um you know almost a, an organic shift like it appears like your 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 world is just improving before your eyes kind of thing through events in in, in you know in the world events let's say in, in the culture it's just like you know oh this year compared to last year people have really sort of wised up a lot right look at all the good things happening around the world or would it be is it possible for someone to sort of pop out of this earth uh, which is kind of the the idea i got from when you talked about this civilization and the barbarians that were you know approaching um it, how how do how would that work? Could you kind of elaborate on? I hopefully well, well, you understand what I'm kind of getting at. Yeah, no, exactly. I would says it'll help. It'll happen sort of almost instantaneously when you get your vibrations at a level that matches the vibration level of the new earth. It'll just you'll just pop up into the new earth. So you'll be here wow. one day. All of a sudden, bang, you're gone, and you're in the new earth, and you'll just sort of all, all of a sudden open up your eyes, and it's like, hey. This looks like my planet, but boy, is it ever different. And as soon as you sort wow. of see, see what's going on, it'd be like, okay, now I know where I am <laughs> in the new earth and it's much different. And thank God I left the old earth behind. So yeah, it wow. sort of happens just like, like that, instantaneous. What a trip. But you, have to, and so, you have to match your vibrations to that, those of the new earth. Otherwise you can't get there. Sure, sure. It's the way to travel, right? Um, so would it be, this is a very fascinating kind of concept and it really makes me think of, you know, you hear about the rapture with, you know, religion and certain, certain, I guess, denominations of Christianity talk about the rapture coming in sort of this ascension kind of idea. And it, it really makes me think of that, um, us popping off of this, like, so would my being be sort of gone from it, it, this this dimension or is it more like i would uh sort of reality shift uh dimensional shift into this other version of the avatar character that is brandon beecham like there's one of them there on this new earth and i would sort of start looking through those eyes this this piece of my consciousness or would it be like my physical being literally disappears from here and my 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 being sort of uh reappears there where it was there was no brandon before 
it, it's the latter case. You, your physical body actually disappears from this earth dimension and just pops into the, the, the new one. So you, wow. if, people, if people were watching you uh, when it happened, you would suddenly just sort of disappear from sight and you're, there'd wow. be no trace left of you. Wow. Yeah, and that's interesting because, I, you know, of course, I've always sort of had the theory of uh, how you can shift between your potential selves. And so there's a version of me who, you know, we didn't do this interview today. Or there's a version that, you know, you're making a big decision. Do I do I take this trip? Do I, you know, take this job? Do I, you know, and there's all these different versions. So this is almost like something different than that, it seems. Um, almost like a more radical uh, level of shift. Uh, if yeah, it's, you will. Qu- it's quite a radical level of shift for sure. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, 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 it doesn't happen very often because like most of us on this planet, uh, you know, the reason that we can't raise our vibrations to get there, Brandon, is because we let uh, ourselves sort of be controlled to some degree by negative emotions, like you know, fear, anger, right. and hate. And the only way to get your vibrations up high enough is to get rid of all of those negative emotions and fully embrace love and compassion. That's easy to say, but very difficult to do because we yeah. all have those flare-ups of anger and, uh, you know, and fear mm-hmm. and everything fear. else. Yep. That, that's what's holding us back. Yeah. Wow. Uh, do you believe that there will be, and has Albert given you any sort of insight into uh, the success rate of people ascending to this new earth in the future uh, at, at sort of an increasing rate of success as we slowly but surely collectively begin to wake up and raise our vibration on this earth he hasn't given me any numbers but he did say that there's more and more people becoming spiritually aware uh, and and raising their consciousness and 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 making a very strong effort to try to raise their vibrations so there's more and more people doing that which means of course there's going to be more and more success but it's not going to be sort of like uh you know having half of the United States suddenly disappeared because it's not going <laughs> right. to happen that fast. Yeah, right. but, but but it is getting better. And but he didn't discuss numbers with me, so I I, I can't really say whether it's five percent or ten percent or or point five percent. Don't know. Right, right. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so now in your uh, in your journeys, you've also uh, experienced some other planets as well. Correct. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about what you what you've seen? Well, one one of the first planets he took me to was a planet that he called Proteus, and it was uh, many light years away from Earth. When you're traveling astrally, it's virtually instantaneous travel. Um, sure. And anyway, we, we ended up uh, uh, coming to this this planet, which is a, a water planet, totally covered with oceans. There's no land masses. And so we dropped down through the, uh, the, and the ocean looked like oceans on Earth. We dropped down under the ocean, and the undersea world, the, you know, the colorful fish and the coral and everything else, looked much like the undersea world of, of, uh, of Earth. And uh, oh, wow. so he, he took me to, uh, towards a large coral formation, and there was a dolphin and a humpback whale. And we communicated by telepathy. And they said to me that, um, if, if, you know, if it looks like uh, our world here is much like the undersea world of planet Earth, it's because much of the sea life, you know, both uh, animal and plant life um, on your planet came from our from our planet. It was transported, seeded by extraterrestrials a long time ago. That's why it looks so familiar to you. And in fact, wow. um, you know, the, the, the dolphins and whales on your planet, uh, they were originally came from Proteus. They were seeded by extraterrestrials. And they said that they stay in telepathic contact with their cousins on planet Earth, They're the dolphins and whales here. Wow. And they told me that they were very distressed at the stories they were hearing from 
uh, the dolphins and whales on Earth who are very upset at, at the abuse they've been suffering from humans over the last few centuries, you know, being hunted and killed, trapped in sure. uh, in, in nets, uh, you know, polluted, uh, having to deal with polluted ocean water from uh, pollution that humans spill into our oceans. And so they, they felt very unhappy about it. They said they wanted to live in peace and harmony with humans and wish that humans would treat them more with more respect and recognize that they're they are intelligent and sensitive creatures and they should be right. they, should, they should be given that sort of respect. And so their message to me was, can you please go back to your fellow humans and tell them that, uh, you know, dolphins and whales really want to live in harmony with you guys and please stop abusing them right interesting what a what a fascinating uh fascinating sort of concept of these sea creatures being brought from from elsewhere and um now you you had also uh had an interaction with uh the consciousness of of mother earth is that correct go with with gaia yes Albert took me to, uh, uh, to to meet Gaia or to, to speak with Gaia. Basically, we he took me on an astral trip over the old North Pole of Earth. We dropped down through the, the ice cap, dropped down through the ocean, and down to the through the seabed, went into this very large cavern. And all of a sudden, I heard this voice, this very melodic voice, uh, which mm. turned out to be the voice of Gaia. Um, mm. which surprised me a bit because I didn't realize that Earth had, our planet had a consciousness, but Gaia is the consciousness of our planet. And so she had a very interesting message for me. She said, you know, um, uh, she said she's very fiercely protective of all of her flora and fauna on planet mm. on Mother Earth. And she wants all of us to live in peace and harmony in a very balanced and uh, ecosystem where, you know, nobody's sort of dominating anyone else. And she said she's very disturbed with the with the domination that humans have been inflicting on her planet over the last few centuries. You know, we, we don't only abuse each other, but we abuse her other animals and we mm-hmm. pollute uh, Mother Earth with our, you know, the pollute her air, pollute her water, pollute her soil. And she's very upset about that. And she really wants us to sort of change our ways because she said if we don't, it could end very badly for us. Um, and so that wow. was her message. You know, change your ways, human. Um, you know, we, we, we have nothing against you. We want you just to live in peace and harmony in a very balanced ecosystem. And you've got to stop your pollution. You've got to stop it because it could just end very badly for you. And so that was her, her message. And interestingly enough, she says, that she has the power to, uh, to 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 fiddle with some of the natural disasters that happen on our planet, like hurricanes, earthquakes, tornadoes, floods, droughts, and so on. And she says she's been increasing the number and intensity of those over the last few years as a warning shot across our bow to get us to wake up and realize that we have to change our ways. Very wow. interesting conversation. You know, I find it very interesting. You had mentioned that her voice was very melodic. Uh, could could you expand on that? Was it like it was it like a, a song of sorts when she was when she was, it was speaking? So, or? It, 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 yeah, it was, sort of was. It was very uh, almost musical, very uh, very very pleasing. You know, it was very mm-hmm. pleasing to hear. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's hard to describe. You'd really have to hear it. But it was but it was very. It, it wasn't like how you and I talk. It was sort of a you know musical melodic. Uh, harmonic mm. uh, it just it, it was very pleasant to listen to it's something i'd never really heard before but that was sort of how she came across and this is by telepathy you know that that's mm-hmm. that's her telepathic sort of a projection to me um which right. i found quite quite unusual 
Wow. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is some, there's a few synchronicities. I talk a lot about synchronicity on the show, serendipity, those sorts of things. And there's been a few things with this episode, even prior to us uh, turning on the mic today and recording that I'll talk about in a moment. But, you know, one of the things that jumped out at me is, you know, this this book, Psychic Explorer, probably the first book outside of, you know, the 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 uh consciousness expanding, you know, very first book I ever read 20 years ago or so. I haven't really, you know, um, looked at it in a while, but there was a, uh, this kind of jumped out at me because we were talking about it. And then I, I note that you've talked to Mother Earth. Well, couple things. One is in the back of that book, there's channelings that this individual brought through uh, from, one was from Mother Earth, from from Gaia. And it was her, her message to mankind. And it was a very similar message to what you're saying now. So there's that kind of interesting synchronicity. And then also you mentioned her voice being very melodic. And if people go back and listen to my very second podcast and we're on like number I don't know 350 some now as we record but my very second podcast I I share um some interesting sort of synchronistical and paranormal stories of my own and one of the 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 biggest in my life and it's I taught I recount it in that in that episode and I've recounted it a few times since I won't go into it all now but one is where you know my partner and I a few years ago were at an event and she had been singing this very melodic song for Many times we would get kind of in a heightened and vibrational state. She would sing the song and then we meet a girl who is kind of in all of us. And as we walk away, she goes into trance singing the same song that my partner had been singing for the previous months. And we both are like, what is going on? And this girl goes into a full trance singing the same exact melody. And then she starts adding words to it. And I always say, and if you listen back, you'll hear me say it. I felt like she was channeling the spirit of mother earth of Gaia, uh, in in her communication to us. And it's, like I said, it's kind of a, that's a very cliff notes version of the story. If, if, if listeners want to go back and hear the full story, it's really fascinating. And, uh, you know, that was, it it was tied to this very melodic song. And then all of a sudden, like a message started coming through and then she snapped out of her trance and it was, uh, so very interesting to kind of hear you mention that piece. Fascinating story, Brandon, and I'm sure that she was connecting with Gaia. I'm convinced of it. Yeah, I mean, the synchronicity is pretty thick. So, um, you know, and speaking of Gaia and feminine energy and those kind of concepts, on one of your astral trips, you went to a place with a matriarchal human society that was actually run by women. Is that correct? Yes. Um, And it, it, it came in response to a question I had to Albert when I said, you know, Albert, do humans exist only on planet Earth or do they exist in, elsewhere in, in, in the universe? And he said, oh, yes, they do. He said, come, I'll take you to show, I'll show you one civilization, which is very unique, quite different from yours, and it might give you some food for thought. So we went to this planet and it was a very modern planet, sort of the, very modernistic, like something you might see in a science fiction movie, you know, with, uh, uh-huh. with flying cars and moving sidewalks and all that kind of stuff. And it yeah. was, uh, I met with the, the, the ruler of that planet. Her, her, her name was uh, Marpesia. She was the empress of the planet. She told me that it was a, the planet was ruled entirely by women, that men had no voice in uh, politics, in, in business management, anything. They could not have jobs or positions of authority. They could not vote. Wow. And, and everything was run entirely by women. And she says uh, that, that uh, uh, you know, she said that the, the men are not subjugated or, or abused or, or violated in any way. The men are happy to go and uh, pursue recreational activities or artistic 
endeavors or, you know, just have fun. They don't have to work. They can do menial jobs that they want, but they, they have sort of a very pleasant existence. And they're not upset at the fact that r- women are ruling the, the planet because that's the only thing they know. They're happy. They think that's the way it is. And, and, wow. and, they, and, and so they're not upset by it. And I said, you know, so how did this all happen? She says, well, eons ago, their planet was a very patriarchal planet ruled by violent and abusive men. And the men subjugated the women and abused the women and controlled the women. Um, and then one day, one of their one of their ladies had a vivid dream. In a vivid dream, a, a spirit came to her and said, "You know, if you pick this plant that grows in your forest and you feed it to the men, it will drastically reduce their testosterone level." She did that, mm. and she passed this message on to all the other women. They fed it to their men. Gradually, the men became very docile. And and, wow. and and very and and, and, and sort of not caring about uh, you know they didn't fight anymore they, they didn't care about position or power and, and and gradually the women just took over and ever since that wow. she says they 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 ensure that this continues because all the male babies are chemically sterilized at the age of three so they don't uh-huh. have they don't have high testosterone levels and so that's how they maintain their society as a totally wow. matriarchal society. And I said to her, what well, trim. don't you don't don't the women sometimes get into disagreements? Don't you fight? She says, sometimes we have differences of opinion, but we always resolve them very peacefully. So there's no violence among the women. There's no jealousy, no negative emotions about who's running the shop. So they all get along very well. It was a very peaceful, harmonious society, which is really in contrast to sort of ours. And, uh, right. you, you know, one of the, one of the funny things was, is that as I was leaving that planet, I said to Albert, you know, has this civilization ever journeyed to Earth? He says, no, they don't yet have the capability of traveling between the stars. And I said to him, oh, good, because I was afraid I'd have to rush back to Earth and warn all the men. (laughs) Yeah, but would you is the question. It sounds like a really nice society. If I get to, don't warn me. I want to just do artistic endeavors and and play all day while someone else takes care of everything. Except Brandon, Brandon, you would have no sex drive. There's no sex uh, there. Oh, really? Yes. So h- how do they procreate then? It's all well, art, but, like sort of artificial insemination kind of thing? Yeah, it's artificial insemination. And it's from a sperm bank from a few chosen males who aren't sterilized. And they get the, they uh, harvest the sperm. They artificially inseminate the women. There's no sex between the men and the women. She says sometimes the women might choose to have sex you know, with another woman, but the men are sort of totally out of the picture. But she says the wow. men don't 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 miss their sex drive because they never remembered having it because they were sterilized at the age of three. So anyway, wow. it sounds like a nice society, but it wouldn't be for you, Brandon. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, no, uh, definitely or doesn't nor, suit my personality uh, <laughs> nor me. But anyway, it was yeah. just a, a market <laughs> contrast to our planet. And uh, and I said to Albert, surely there's got to be happy middle ground between their extreme and our extreme where men and women can be equal and just get along yeah. fine. And he said, yes, that's where you should be heading. Yeah, That's yeah, that, that makes sense. It's a, yeah. That's an interesting thing for him to show you, though. That truly is sort of the other end of the spectrum of what we're, we're used to, right? Exactly, yeah. What a trip. So, okay, let's continue. These are these are great. Every story is so interesting. So um, on, on the spirit side, you had a meeting with uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, right? Yes. 
Very fascinating okay. because, uh, you know, as growing up as a Roman Catholic, Mary was a very uh, crucial part of sort of that religion, you know, being the, the mother of Jesus. And, uh, and so it was very fascinating to meet her. Very lovely, wise uh, soul. Uh, I met her on the spirit side. Uh, you know, she, she had lived her last life on earth as, as Mary, the mother of Jesus. She had some very interesting things to say, most of which, which sort of flew in the face of what the Christian holy man had been teaching forever. And she said, you know, first of all, um, my conception was not immaculate, you know, through the right. Holy Spirit, whenever I conceived my ch child, Jesus, normally through my husband, Joseph. I right. wasn't a virgin when he was born, uh, you know, and I had uh, other children after Jesus. Uh, and so the, all, all that stuff that the Christian church has been saying about me is just is a falsehood. They just they wanted me to set, set me up on a pedestal and they thought yeah. that I'd be a, a more holy person if I was a perpetual virgin and that the Jesus was conceived through immaculate intervention. But she says that's right. just all an invention. You know, he was born normally, uh, you know, through my sexual intercourse with my husband, Joseph. And away you yeah. go. So, and 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 she says that uh, that uh, she thought there was something special about Jesus when he was growing up. She thought he was a special kind of guy. She wasn't quite sure where he was going to go. Uh, but uh, you know, and the other amazing thing, which uh, which a lot of other people have already surmised, is that Jesus uh, actually married Mary Magdalene. He was married to mm. her. They had children. Of course, the, the the Bible and the scriptures don't say anything about that because they've all been edited from their original version. Right. Um, but he was married, had children, um, and uh, he was a he, he was a master soul who learned how to focus his thoughts with very powerful beams of energy. That's how he created his miracles. You know, walking on water and raising people from the dead, turning water into wine, and so on. He did all those things. He did that to attract attention because he wanted his followers, he wanted to, to gather as many followers as he could to hear his message. Yeah. His message was really one of love, you know, for your fellow men, forgive people. And, uh, you know, and that core message is still very valid. Um, you know, and I said, well, you know, why didn't he, if he could perform miracles, why did he let himself be crucified? And she says, well, he could have prevented that, but he thought his crucifixion, and then Ascension would make a very dramatic statement for his followers, and he hoped that his followers would 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 uh, promulgate his message after he died. That and they eventually did. They formed a religion, the Christian religion, um, uh, which you know the core message is still there, but they've gone offside in a lot of their dogmas and beliefs. But the the, the core is still there. So very right. interesting story. Um, and uh, yeah, I just love talking to her. She's a, she's a fascinating soul. Wow. So. To, uh, yeah, that, that is very fascinating. And I've often said it, you know, being sort of uh, raised in a similar fashion to yourself with very uh, conservative Christian ideals and a lot of, you know, fear based, um, you know, uh, thinking uh, around it all. Uh, I, I strongly believe that Jesus was sort of doing the same sort of work that a lot of people are now doing, which is teaching that love is the answer, that we're all one, we're all one with the source that created all things, you know, he, he said essentially that he was God in a sense, right? And so that just is, was was sort of misinterpreted and taken out of context or, or, or looked at in a way that sort of put him on a pedestal where he taught, you know, 
you will do greater things than I, right? And and we're all we all have the ability to sort of uh, with the faith of a mustard seed move a mountain and all these things that he taught. Uh, I personally believe he was he was really teaching the same. He's sort of the Beatles of of, <laughs> of the uh, this movement, if you will. And uh, and you know that that's always been my take. So it seems like anyone who's had a spiritual experience with Jesus. Or in this case, you know, Mary, uh, his mother, uh, it always seems to kind of come back to that same kind of ideal. Exactly. I know you hit the nail right on the head. And I know a lot of other people have had similar encounters to mine. And the message is all the same. I mean, he came here, like you said, to teach us that love is the answer. And uh, to yeah. some degree, it's worked. And the, to a large degree, it hasn't. But it's that wasn't distorted. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he did his right. best. Yeah. Right, right, right. It's, you know, I, I find a, a fascinating concept. You know, Jesus was a man. Christ is a state of consciousness, right? Like Buddha consciousness. It's a, it's sort of a path to awakening. Uh, his methodology of, of tapping in and tuning in and, uh, you know, bringing forth more source energy is a clear channel. Um, so... All right. Well, I, there's a couple other. Okay, so to kind of expand on a little bit of synchronicity here. Um, so I was I was sitting here, you know, looking over uh, some of the notes and, and and experiences that you've had on the other side. Um, and one of the things that jumped out at me was you saying that, uh, you know, you had an experience with the goddess Athena. Well, I have a friend named Athena who my brother used to date and now another good uh, guy friend of mine, longtime childhood friend, just happened to stop by. Who's who's pretty close to this girl Athena still. I, I see her maybe once a year or so, but he sees her all the time. And I'm like, oh, you know, the goddess Athena. Well, at the same time, my son comes in five minutes later to introduce me to his new girlfriend, whose name is Athena. So wow. <laughs> I'd uh, I'd love to hear what uh, the goddess Athena had to say to you. And I have a feeling it will be particularly relevant uh, due to the synchronicity here. So uh, yeah, what was that like? Well, she said she lived her last life in ancient Greece, and, and she was a, a priestess in the temple, and she was very adept at giving people advice on, on life, on relationships, and so on. Um, and, and because she was a master soul, she is like Jesus. She could she could uh, focus her thoughts into powerful beams of energy and and do things that people would describe as miracles or magic or whatever. And because of mm-hmm. all these things that she did, the people there decided that she was a goddess, and so they called her the goddess Athena. Um, mm. And so she she was like Christ. She was there to sort of help other people, uh, you know, expand their consciousness and to to live their lives in a in a loving fashion. And so that was her mission. So when she left that incarnation, she's back on the spirit. I met her. She was a breathtakingly beautiful lady, uh, just just gorgeous, um, but very mm-hmm. wise, very serene, uh, made me very comfortable. And uh, so we had a very nice conversation. And she said that uh, one of the things she said that I always remember, she said that, you know, people on earth are always asking, you know, what is my life's purpose? And she says, you know, you're not supposed to know exactly what you had planned for yourself because that would make things too easy. But you need to find your life purpose. You really got to listen to your guides. Try to try to hear the messages they're giving you. Uh, you know, th- mainly through meditation. Get rid of all the clutter in your mind. Listen to what your guides are telling you because they'll try to steer you in the right direction. She says that yeah. it, it's not easy. But the bottom line, she says that if if you feel like your life's on balance and everything's moving along as it should, then you're likely on the right path. You're you're probably following the the, the path that you planned for yourself. 
On the other hand, she said, if you feel like you're banging your head against a brick wall, you need to back up and find another route because you're, you're clearly off course. So that was something right. that always stuck with me. It's, it's sort of like, okay, um, I'm not supposed to know in detail, but you know, if I feel like I'm banging my head against a brick wall, I better you know, find another route because I obviously need to change course here. So very good, wise right. advice from, from the goddess Athena. Very lovely, wow. beautiful, and wise soul. Right. So if, if things are flowing smoothly, you're, you're in the flow. And if, if things are, are difficult and tumultuous and there's a lot of, you know, uh, anguish uh, associated with it, you're, you're off track. That seems to be exactly. quite logical. Yeah. <laughs> now, another creature that you actually uh, had, had an interaction on the astral plane with a mythical creature. Now, I helped to form, um, I, I, I actually mentioned that I see this, uh, my brother's ex, uh, or a girl he dated rather, Athena, and my friend who just happened to stop by who still sees her all the time. I see her once a year. I see her at, at Burning Man. And uh, at the at Burning Man, we uh, are part of the same camp. It's Intergalactic Sasquatch Village, <laughs> and I helped to found the camp many years ago. And uh, so you had an interaction with a Sasquatch, right, on the astral plane? Of course. Let's continue right along with the the tie-ins here. Tell me about the Sasquatch. Well, Albert took me on one of our astral trips to the Pacific Northwest. And there in a, in a secluded forest, way far away from any civilization, we dropped down into a meadow. And all of a sudden from behind the trees came a Sasquatch. She was about eight feet tall. Her uh, body was covered in dark brown hair. She had sort of a very short neck or no neck, a kind of an ape-like head. Um, and uh, we communicated by telepathy. She was on the physical earth plane and I was, I was in the astral, traveling astrally. Mm. But we communicated by telepathy. Her name was Zana. She said that her race, uh, you know, has been living on Earth for eons uh, on all the all the continents except Antarctica and that they are very afraid of humans. And so they make a very conscious effort to, to avoid contact with humans because they're afraid that they'll be you know, killed or abused or, you know, put up in a circus sideshow if they're ever caught by humans. They're right. very intelligent and sensitive creatures uh, and they live very close to nature. They don't have any technology. They don't want any technology. Um, and they communicate with each other by telepathy. And the reason that they've been able to avoid humans so easily is that because she said they have sort of like a, 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 a animal sensitive radar that can detect, you know, other animals and especially humans from many miles away. So they can basically sense us coming from a long ways away and they quickly disappear. They live in underground uh, caves and cities, uh, you know, during the day. They come out at night, uh, uh, to, to, you know, to forage for food. Um, and they're very good at uh, avoiding humans. And they, they, her, her, her plea to me was, you know, look, at, we'd like to live, you know, uh, uh, openly with you humans. We'd like to live alongside you in peace and harmony. But you guys are just too violent. You're too abusive, and we're afraid that you will uh, that you will just harm us. And so we're not going to come out in the open until you guys change your act and 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 learn to uh, and learn to live peaceful, uh, harmonious lives. And so that was her story. Her race is going to stay hidden until we change our ways. Uh, but it was a very wow. interesting conversation. I know there's a lot of people who swear that there are sax watches. Many who said they've seen them or seen footprints and so on. Um, and that was really a, a, the final proof for me was that I actually met one face to face. Right. Wow. Um, quite interesting and, and, and very interesting that you're saying she was in complete earth physical and you were in astral uh, during the interaction. 
I guess that's the only yeah, way so you could get close to her, right? <laughs> yeah, and she she was uh, Albert allowed her to see me in astral form, even though she's in a physical plane, and we could communicate by telepathy. That's how we sort of interacted. Uh, so Albert made all this possible. I don't know how he did it, but that's sort of the the, the scenario. They they are very. She was very much in physical form on our Earth plane, um, and uh, but I was able to communicate with her. So it was really quite a fascinating encounter. Wow. Now, is there any encounters? You've had so many fascinating encounters. Is there any that I haven't asked about that you would love to share that that we, you think we would would enjoy hearing? Well, one of the things that which I think will be uh, heartening to a lot of listeners out there is that I had a an encounter with one of my guardian angels on the spirit side. Now, I was uh, always uh, people have always said that that some people believe we have guardian angels to sort of look out after us. Uh, before I met Albert, I was sort of skeptical about that. Anyway, but I met my guardian angel, one of them. Um, and this um, is and different than Albert. Albert being like a spirit guide, uh, guardian. Can, can you kind of explain the difference? Well, Albert is 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 a, is a soul just like us. He's a you know uh, he, he's had incarnations on Earth. This time around, he chose to be one of my spirit guides, which are just like coaches. They coach us while uh-huh. we're going through our life journey. Uh, so he's like a, he, he's like us. Uh, angels are, are are a different kind of spirit. They don't generally uh-huh. uh, incarnate. They they're there sort of to do uh, to, to to help out with people with, during their incarnations. But they don't usually incarnate themselves. And uh-huh. our guardian angels are people are angels who are assigned to look out after us, and they're there to make sure that we don't suffer an untimely demise before. Our time is up, and 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 our souls decide when it's time to leave. Nobody dies by accident. So even if uh, three hundred people die on a plane crash, that's no yeah. accident. Every every soul decided that was the way, the time and a place to exit. And so, right. because there's so many people running around on our planet, all exercising free will, there's a good chance that something uh, not uh, not unpredictable may happen that could cause our our death before our souls are ready to go that's where our guardian angels step in and they will basically intervene to make sure that we don't die before uh, our souls are ready to leave and so it was a very right. fascinating conversation she says you know we can we, we can send you strong messages to change your way so that you don't end up in a in an accident or we can physically intervene if necessary to make sure that it doesn't happen and she gave me the example she said for example if you are uh, scheduled to, to board a, a plane that we can see is going to crash we will send you a strong message a few days ahead of time to change your plans. And if that doesn't work, you know, we can make your tire go flat on the way to the airport. So you miss your flight. So that's just right. one example that they, they can do. They can manipulate matter. They can actually appear physically for, for a, a period of time to get you out of harm's way. Uh, there's a, a number of ways they can, they can, excuse me, arrange to make sure that you don't end up with a, with an untimely death. So very comforting. And every one of, of us has one or more guardian angels who are with us from birth until death. Mm. Very interesting and very reassuring to know, uh, know that you have someone there just to make sure <laughs> it, uh, it, it doesn't happen prematurely. Exactly. Well, uh, Garnet, this has been absolutely fascinating. I I love juicy stories, and man, you are full of them from your experiences. I, I look forward to actually going and digging deeper and checking out your books and your forthcoming book. Uh, when will that be released, and what is the best way for people to kind of connect with you and, and follow your work? My fourth book will be released sometime this summer. I don't have an exact date yet, but my first three books are all out and available. Um, people can connect with me on my website, which is garnetschulhauser.com. 
that's difficult to remember. So if you Google Dancing on a Stamp or Dance of Heavenly Bliss, you'll get to my website. There yeah. you can find information on all my books. You can, uh, uh, I have buy links there to all the popular online stores like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and many others. You click on that, you get right to where you can buy my books. You can dial into all my social media sites like Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and so on. And uh, you can actually uh, uh, watch a book video for each book. And you can also listen to the recordings of all of my previous radio shows. Uh, you can access them on my website. This is radio show number 119 for me, Brandon. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> that is incredible. I mean, that's like having your own show, but on uh, you know all these different uh, outlets. What a what a great uh, great thing! I, and I can see why you are an absolute fascinating storyteller, uh, and your message is truly inspiring. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, thank you for coming on. And I do have one last question for you before we go. Uh, in sixty seconds or less, what is the meaning of life according to Garnet Schulhauser? The meaning of life is to learn and experience things that your soul needs for its advancement. And even though you don't know exactly what that is, it's a matter of trying to uh, listen to your guides and try to figure out where you should go uh, so that you can sort of, uh, so that when you finish this life, when you look back in your life, you can say, okay, I, I made a few mistakes, but I did um, many of the things that were right. And I'm glad that I lived that life and I'm looking forward to my next one. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Garnet, for taking the time to connect and share uh, your your stories and your inspiration with us all. I really uh, look forward to following following along on your journey, and uh, we'll have to circle back around and uh, do this again sometime. Thank you for having me, Brandon, and I'd be uh, delighted to be on your show again. All right. Well, until next time, journey well, my friend. Take care. Well, everyone, that concludes this week's interview episode. If you have enjoyed this positive download from our hearts and minds to yours, please take a minute, give us a rating or review on iTunes. Since iTunes is the holy grail of all things podcasting, uh, your good reviews help us to reach more listeners. Also, we would be extremely appreciative if you would tell your friends and family about the show. Our sincere intent with the Positive Head podcast is to spread positivity to the world. Because, well, because we're selfish, quite honestly. Uh, I say that jokingly, but really only halfway joking. I'm referring to the good kind of selfish based on the knowing that we all get what we give in this life. Because when we give, we're actually always giving to extensions of self since we're all really one in the same consciousness, just in different bodies. So if you want to be a good selfish along with us by helping to spread the positivity, by all means, please proceed to shout about the Positive Head podcast from your rooftop. <laughs> Otherwise, as you continue on your fabulous journey in this 3D reality, be sure to remember this. As long as you ain't dead, you're already positive ahead. Journey well, everyone, and thank you for being.